Welcome to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek-themed podcast in which two Star Trek nerds take a Star Trek noob through all of Star Trek, chronologically. As ever, I am PJ Montgomery, and I am joined by Star Trek nerd Matt Troy. And Star Trek noob Elliot Red. Hi. And, for the first time ever, we have a guest. An actual fourth person. Uh, This one is a Star Trek nerd, so he's on team PJ and Matt. He is the writer and creator of comics such as The Pride, Glitter Vipers, Acceptable Losses, and The Miracles. It is the one and only Joe Glass. Hello. I don't know what was with that. I figured I'd just throw that in there. Well, (laughs) my universal translator didn't tell me what you were actually trying to say, so... (laughs) I just realised what it was. It's Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't know why that thing is <laughs> No, the, the Mrs. Doubtfire podcast is tomorrow. That's <laughs> How are you, Joe? I'm very well, thank you. Um, lockdown notwithstanding, I am quite well um, in getting things going. Um, my Obviously, my major work for Pride is available for pre-order at the moment, so people will be getting that in uh, Pride Month, so I'm very excited about that, and I've got a Kickstarter running, so you know, my anxiety levels are high. But yeah, otherwise, I'm well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Elliot? Yeah, I'm all right. Matt? I am good. As good as Excellent. can be. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So... Joe, before we get into the episode we're going to discuss this week, tell us a bit about your history with Star Trek. Um, so I started watching it in the Next Generation, based on my dad's, like really young. I was probably about five or six um, when we started watching something like that. My dad was a big Star Trek uh, fan himself, Trekkie, like of the original series and the movies. And then, like, I started watching the Next Generation with him. And obviously, but all the shows afterwards then, and started becoming obsessed with the movies. I think my first Star Trek movie was First Contact. No, Generations, Generations. And then, like, I went back and saw the older ones um, and loved them. I adore the new Star Trek shows. I think they are absolutely brilliant. I'd say they're even better than some of the original shows. And I'm the kind of Trekkie which people probably hate because I'm not big on the original series i've seen the odd episode i i've never seen the whole thing from beginning to end i did try to do a watch during lockdown but i think i only got a couple of seasons in so yeah but like i know the big i know the big things so but other gen next generation onwards i am it excellent so enterprise then are you are you a fan of enterprise well now here's the thing <laughs> No, yes. <laughs> no, yes. Um, maybe. 
basically when Enterprise first came out, like I, I was saying about how like Star Trek was kind of this big thing, like special thing between me and my dad. Like we watched it together. It's a thing we absolutely loved. I was obsessed with Star Trek. I had like all the ships. I had a toy phaser. I had a tricorder. I would. I was totally obsessed. And then Enterprise came on, and in one episode, it killed Star Trek for me. It killed I, Trek I literally owner. dropped Trek like a hot potato <laughs> after one episode and never watched any more of Enterprise. Um, the moment I heard that absolutely still to this day, utterly unforgivable theme tune. Yes, thank you. Um, yes. I was done. But I have rewatched it as of sometime in the last year. Like, time has no meaning anymore. And I got to admit, I watched it from beginning to end. And do you know what? I, it's actually not bad. I don't know why I hated it so much as a teenager. But I I got to it's by no means the best. It's the weakest of all the Star Trek shows. But I do kind of like it now. <laughs> well, there we go, Elliot. There's another voice telling you that it, it is going to get better. Okay, thanks. How many are you going to throw shove at me before it actually does? well this week we are looking at season one still of enterprise episode 11 silent enemy written by andre bormanis and directed by winrick colby uh winrick colby was a longtime trek director he'd done next gen ds9 and voyager and this was the last ever episode of star trek he directed oh well funnily enough having just shot on it i actually kind of liked this episode okay okay there was some interesting stuff, yeah, some I didn't fun like all stuff of it, in there. But yeah. I liked I liked most yeah. of this episode. I mean, it was definitely better than the last episode we watched. Maybe that's why. I can't, I can't <laughs> even remember what happened in the last episode. My brain has just completely dropped everything. <laughs> Temporal Cold War, Matt. Temporal Cold War. Oh, God, even I. I, forgotten, I can still yeah. barely remember it. <laughs> well. Silent Enemy opens with the Enterprise launching a subspace amplifier that they dub Echo 2. They're going to run some tests, and then they detect an alien ship that turns up and won't talk to them, and then it goes away. Sounds like my average interaction with the gay bars. (laughs) (laughs) Are you the alien ship, or...? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely the Enterprise. I'm definitely <laughs> Captain Archer pleading for some sort of communication. <laughs> I'm the probe. I've been abandoned like a sector away and everyone everybody else has gone out on to have fun. <laughs> oh, Do they ever mention what the probe is actually meant to be amplifying? Subspace. Some rad uh-huh. tunes. <laughs> just, just, just Nirvana, yeah. <laughs> it, it's basically meant to facilitate long-range communication, I think. Okay, okay. I wondered if it was just like, you know, a Wi-Fi extender or something. Yeah, it is, basically. Yeah, a matter it's a, of speaking, yeah. 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 <laughs> the signal it's a dongle. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's timey-wimey stuff. Oh, wait, that's the wrong show. Oh, no, we are going to discuss Doctor Who in a minute, actually. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, the, uh, the, the 70s era, though. Tom Baker. Oh, well, yeah. I, I'm out. <laughs> I haven't seen any of that shit. <laughs> Sorry, right, so we, <laughs> we get the theme tune which we all love. <laughs> and then basically when we come back, they're talking about, well, why didn't the aliens talk to us? And Hoshi says, well, maybe they, they didn't understand us. And T'Pol's like, yeah, maybe. It's not a very interesting scene. Yeah. 
And then we yeah, get this B plot about um, scenes. Oh, sorry, Joe. Yeah, we get this B no plot then about Malcolm's birthday, don't we? Which yeah leads into one of our favorite topics on this show is that how Malcolm does nothing and has nothing, and it's not just out of universe; it's in universe as well. It's oh, is this when Archer talks to his parents? Well, they want to find out what what Malcolm's favorite food is, so they can make him eat Such something. An exciting for his sci-fi plot that is, you know. Yeah, and so yes, they call his parents. Malcolm's dad is played by an actor named Guy Siner. It's Lieutenant Gruber. He is <laughs> from Allo Allo. From Allo Allo. <laughs> oh. But he was also the, one of the car-led leaders in Genesis of the Daleks. Yes. The greatest Doctor Who serial of all time. <laughs> yes, for sure. He, he also did a lot of um, voices for video games in Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a very prolific sci-fi and, I guess, old British sitcom actor. <laughs> and it was nice to see him briefly play a stereotypical angry British dad on Star Trek. Yeah, there was some real stereotypical British shit going on in this episode, wasn't there? Oh, we're they, getting they, to that it as was, well. Which made me think about something about Ma- when when I was starting to watch the show. Um, which made me think something about Malcolm, which uh, we'll get to later um, because there's a scene later which which really was the moment when I was like, oh my god! Um, and I thought Malcolm was going to become interesting, and then they <laughs> never went for it. But it was something which also has happened previously in Star Trek. So it kind of actually is part of a long tradition. <laughs> okay. Okay. Interesting. We'll get to it later. Yeah. <laughs> now, is, is it me, or in this scene after they've spoken to his parents, does Archer basically order Hoshi to flirt with Malcolm to get the information out of him? There is like it a... feels a little bit that way. Yeah. It's, it's See, a weird uh... thing to do. Like, she obviously has an important job to do that is not finding out what Lieutenant Grumpy Puss wants for his birthday. <laughs> okay, I have to admit, I must have totally missed that. I didn't see any of that, because I was too busy hoping that this episode wasn't going to be a Malcolm episode. I wasn't in the mood for it. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily, it, it turned out that... It felt uncomfortable for me. <laughs> it's just, it's, he's so awkward. Like, <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, but like, no, um... it felt uncomfortable to me that whole Hoshi scene because it felt a bit like, why is he going to one of the only women on the bridge? Yes, to be like, can you find out what this guy's favorite meal is? It's like really bugging me, and I'm like, really, really, Queen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the translator's job. <laughs> sure. Surely there's somebody without an officer's rank who could do this. You know? Do you know what? Do you know what? He could have finally fucking given Travis something to do. I thought that too. Because <laughs> <laughs> poor Travis, I don't think we're going to talk about him again this week. It's like no, no, he's not. barely even made an appearance. It's like Travis, we 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 usually force you to interact with Malcolm. Do you know anything about him? <laughs> that would have, at least there's, there's something in there. At least they actually make those two do things. Travis, I find, is such an interesting character purely because he's so not the stereotype of what you normally see black characters do, particularly in sci-fi. Yeah. Um, and then they just never explored that. He literally, for the majority of this series, not just this season or this episode, does fuck all. <laughs> 
we we've talked about this in uh, in like previous episodes and how like he's got like nuggets of a really interesting character like way more interesting than anybody else like he could have mm-hmm. been the guy that they turned to to talk about deep space because he's lived there for like longer than they have but mm-hmm. he just gets nothing to do exactly even two episodes we've watched that really should have been Travis episodes just haven't been and it's a real Shame, because I think Anthony Montgomery, who plays Travis, is really good as well. Yeah, he's yeah, great. He seems he's a really good actor. But oh well, that's uh, that's part eleven in our ongoing series of Where's Travis? Uh, yeah, and one thing I think I wanted to mention as well is like, why the fuck is there a Royal Navy in like the twenty first century? What are they <laughs> doing? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Malcolm's parents don't even know that Malcolm. I, they barely seem to know he's on the Enterprise, and yeah. then. When Archer says, oh yeah, he's he's my artillery guy, he likes to rub the weapons and makes inappropriate noises as he does so, they go, oh, his granddad did that. <laughs> yeah, His granddad is a pervert. It, it was very deeply unsettling to me, because like, even in the sense of, these people don't know what his favourite food is, yeah. and these people are his parents, and... I think we're meant to believe it's just like, oh, because he's such a secretive guy, he so, so keeps himself to himself, and I'm just like, I'm sorry, even a guy like that, even bad parents know what their kid's favourite meal is. Yeah. And I was just like, seriously? What What is going on here? I no, was I fully feel... thinking that Malcolm was going to be some sort of spy implant kind of thing. Yeah, it was very weird, wasn't it? They did paint those parents out to be, like, just the most dismissive. They were basically going, look, our boy is a little bitch. He'll eat anything that's put in front of him. He literally doesn't care. <laughs> and then they would just go, oh, I guess the ocean wasn't big enough for him. It's like, Jesus Christ, what would have pleased you? He's in freaking space. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Why, is, why are people <laughs> ragging on Starfleet all the time? Like, I know it's new. <laughs> Is it like how we feel about the Space Force now? Is that how ridiculous that is? <laughs> yeah. So they were odd parents. Fairly odd parents. And his sister didn't know either. And his mate. Like, nobody knew what he even eats. Why does he have a mate? Because <laughs> I, I don't think they were really friends. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> I think that that guy saw that, like, Hoshi was messaging him. And he's like, oh, who is this? I ain't going to answer her call. <laughs> And then, also, uh, Malcolm's sister lives in a library because British. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, we also then get some conversation about how uh, Trip has received. Basically, he's had a dear John. Oh yeah. yeah. He's he's been dumped by Natalie from Pensacola. But he has landed more targets since they left port than the fucking torpedoes have. Like, he's been mocked up. He, <laughs> he's he's been pregnant. He he's boned everything, <laughs> and then he's disappointed. Like, oh, I got dumped. Why? Well, I told her about how I got pregnant in that weird game of invasion <laughs> of privacy, and <laughs> luckily, yeah. then we uh, we're we're saved the rest of that scene because they're summoned to the bridge because the aliens are back and the aliens shoot the enterprise with i do i do say i liked the uh, the weapon effect there it looked like energy blades being fired into the enterprise yeah, like a little the, delta yeah like yeah I, yeah this is where this episode starts to shine for me because it's it re- felt so reminiscent of an actual the original series episode yes when it it literally feels so much like it i was just like oh they're doing like an updated version 
granted, we then have a continued hunt for a favourite fucking food um, running throughout the rest of the episode. But otherwise, <laughs> it feels very classic mm. Trek. And it's like, one. It, this is probably one of the highlights of a troubling first season to a Star Trek series. I agree with you, actually. I think that this has probably been one of the most, not best, but one of the most interesting episodes mm-hmm. uh, that we've seen so far. And I'm, I'm not going to talk about some of the bits of it yet because they're yet to come and they're actually pretty exciting. But mm. just that I could say that some bits of this episode are actually pretty exciting is yeah, it's no, a I'd fucking do the same miracle. As that. I would say yeah. the same as that. It's it's certainly the type of plot that this is is more what I would have expected someone to, you know, if you're making a show at the start of Star Trek about how everything developed, this is more along the lines of what I would have expected to see at the start of the series compared yeah, to 11 sure. episodes in. But, but yeah, there is one point I want to make right now because I think we're on that point is that they're going to fit now the phase cannons to the ship. Yeah, Which, Enterprise can't fight back against this alien spaceship, so Arch yeah. says, hey, let's go get those phasers we were supposed to attach. They've left those phasers in Amazon boxes down in the hull, like the, <laughs> in the hold for like for like ten weeks. And they've been attacked like at least a dozen times since then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what like the, the fuck were they doing? Was potentially a dangerous mission. Like and they thought like they rushed out of space dock, yeah, we get that. Be like, you didn't think the guns were a good idea? Oh yeah, I never thought that. Yeah. <laughs> the guns on the ship. But also, Archer says, we're going to go back to Earth, go to Jupiter Station, we'll get the phasers installed, and Malcolm's all, wait, someone else is going to touch my weapons? Mm. No. This and the then it got weird. Well, yeah, you know, he doesn't like anyone touching his weapons, but him. Um, which, you know, space does things to you. <laughs> I think Malcolm was already like this, to be honest. <laughs> Malcolm, uh, the captain also says they're going to install a bunch of other systems as well, which is something Maybe that really seems to forget off, they? much later on. Yeah, mm. yeah. But then Malcolm and Trip basically say, look, we can start installing the guns before we get back, and then we're back for less time. We're really good at this. Let me touch my weapons, Captain. <laughs> and then, Sorry, go on. I was going to say, and then Malcolm gets his favourite thing in the world. He gets to do a PowerPoint presentation about <laughs> guns. <laughs> Here's some words that rhyme with guns. Huns. <laughs> Funs. Buns. <laughs> this, ladies and gentlemen, is a phase-modulated energy weapon. It's rated for a maximum power output of 500 gigajoules. Enterprise was designed to carry three of them. We have one, and it's only a prototype. Our job is to get it up and running and build two more from scratch. The captain has taken us back because he thinks this work ought to be done by the boys in space dock. Far be it from me to question the captain's judgment, but Commander Tucker and I believe we can do this ourselves. That means double shifts. By the time we reach Jupiter Station, I don't want their engineers to have a thing to do but give us a wash in the wax. <laughs> Any questions? Are we expecting another attack, sir? We all signed up for this trip because we wanted to do something no one had ever done before. Not because we thought it'd be easy or safe. But we're not here to take foolish risks. The captain and the rest of the crew are depending on us to keep Enterprise ready for anything. 
And once we get these face cannons online, we'll have a lot more firepower to do just that. Also, as well, after the 500 gigajoules speech, isn't that the bit where they have a little chat in the mess hall between Hoshi and Malcolm? Oh, oh yeah, I'm glad we got to this bit. I'm glad we got to this bit. I, this is the this bit I think bizarre. you want to talk about, is it, Joe? This is the bit where, where, which I was hinting at earlier. Yeah, I, I'll let you start, and then I'll jump in later because, like, we should start setting up the scene. Well, it's basically Hoshi trying to ask after she's had a conversation on the bridge with it. Might even have been Travis about what Malcolm's favorite food might be, Who and Paul goes, "You could just ask him." And they're like, fuck you, Vulcan. Why are you eavesdropping? <laughs> I love how Paul has to just like, give them common sense with a rolled eye See, every time. Like, I think she gets such a hard time. I yeah. Well, she gives excellent shade. Yeah, like, she does. She's also... For a Vulcan with no emotions, she is the shadiest bitch in space. <laughs> what we've also found through this journey is she's always fucking right. Yeah, yeah. she's incredibly competent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then, then Hoshi goes to the mess hall and starts conversing with Malcolm, and he apparently doesn't really like any of the food, but he doesn't want to tell her what he likes to eat because he thinks she's coming on to him. Yeah. And this, for me, is why this scene made me think that there was something going to be interesting with Malcolm, finally. Not because maybe he likes some weird shit food. It was because I thought they were going to make Malcolm gay. Yeah. I was fully thinking that this was a setup for, like, oh, Malcolm's awkward because he's, and, like, so uptight because he's actually gay. And they were going to have a gay plotline in Star Trek, finally. Um, and I, when I say before, like, how this was a long-running failure on Trek's part and like it was a history of it like there was two characters who were meant to be gay in Voyager who weren't allowed to be gay because the creators were too scared to do it. Berman and Braga. Yeah so like I was fully thinking like oh we're we're finally going to do it and then this character is going to be interesting because he's going to have this whole reason for why he's so buttoned up and why he's sort of awkward around the women and um, all this and yeah it, it just doesn't pan out. I was kind of hoping as well, and like this, this is something that you know, for from ages ago, really, that um, I was thinking about. And it's not really a hoax; I knew exactly what was going to happen. But it would have been interesting if they could have even just played him as like an asexual character and just yeah, kind of would have cool too. a little bit, you know, because he basically is. But then occasionally they'll give him like a really awkward, like romantic plot where. And and she just ugh, I don't know they're always done really badly with him but and, and he's just played off as being because he's British like British yeah. is his sexuality. <laughs> <laughs> I I say as well that is one of the things which I don't think ever actually gets any better on Enterprise no. is it handles romance incredibly badly. Um, like yes. every which don't get me wrong it's not like star trek has a great history with it i mean it didn't start off great with the with the original series but this felt recursive in that it kind of went a little bit backwards in movements which had been made through the various subsequent series and the way women are treated in this in this show in particular is pretty bad at it times. is this, this is actually regressive, even in terms of like 21st century. I felt mm-hmm. that Enterprise in, in its kind of because I know it's obviously not set as far forward in the future as like TNG, which has got mm-hmm. like a you know, very chilled out 
attitude to everything. But you think that even at this point, they would be more enlightened than than they are in like Bush era America, you know, yeah. W Bush era America, which I bring up quite a lot when I'm talking about this show, as 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 the guys know. But yeah, they they kind of I don't know if it's like their kind of way of saying, oh, this show is actually in the past in Star Trek, so everybody's not as cool, and that's why everyone's so racist about DePaul all the time. But I still mm-hmm. found that kind of weirdly regressive as well. And I'm, you know, not a fan of that yeah, at all. It was not just like there's the incontinuity aspect of it. It's just like the way they talk about, like again, the fact that he asks Hoshi to do this thing when she's bridge staff. I'm just like when it's as simple as that. Like when he, even she points out, is this not maybe chef's area of expertise? And he's like, oh no, I really think you should. I'm just like, why are you asking one of the only two women on your bridge to yeah. do this? There's one woman who has never, as far as I can remember, had a single word with Malcolm today. So <laughs> it's just like very odd. And like that was regressive. But there's also the fact like, um, met, you know, on the actual show itself, because like that was one of the things which killed it for me when I watched it the first time around as a teenager was uh, I think that first episode of the decontamination room scene. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Was the, the sexy so room. So many yeah. close-up camera shots of T'Pol's curves, and I was like, this is gross. Yeah. This is this is soft porn in the middle of Star Trek, and it was just wrong. Do you know, uh, like... And, um, and it never really gets better, unfortunately. It's a bit like in, in Star Trek, the motion picture, where you get, like, that full minute of them, like, going around the Enterprise before they finally dock with it. Except mm. they're doing it with lube now. Like you have like a, <laughs> an episode where we pause to lube the cast. You know the cast lube each other. It, it's like it's like something a segment out of Euro Trash or something. <laughs> you know it's so bizarre. Thing I wanted to draw attention to in that mess hall scene is when Hoshi is when he says, "Oh no, we can't." we can't do that. It would be unprofessional. And then they both get flustered. Oh, she gets up and walks away. There is an extra in the background overacting for his life. Oh, I missed that. I missed that. Yeah. Oh, he just keeps big looks at them and then sort of shakes his head, looks back at his pad, looks back at them. It's, it was. (laughs) Yeah. I did see that guy. I was just like, (laughs) well, well, when you've got someone as dry as Malcolm in the scene, you need something. Yeah. He's a bit of a. It was very odd because normally, if you have an extras in a scene like that, they're either to fill space or not distract or something. But having one extra in the corner of the frame was drawing my eye to it every single time he did something. I was like, oh, but what about the third guy? <laughs> but that's because he kept moving so exaggerated. It <laughs> yeah, was everything true, yeah. was big and um, drama school dropout, I think. He, he's well, he made like his first role. He just wanted to say that he'd been on Star Trek and had done something interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and he was the best thing in that scene. <laughs> so oh, that's when the Hoshi's in it. Hoshi's in it. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, we, Hoshi's we... great. Hoshi is great, and it's sad that what they did to her this episode. Yeah, but that that is when the alien ship arrives again and attacks the Enterprise again, and some of the aliens come on board and. I'd noted down when it first appeared because I, I couldn't really remember the episode at this point. I remember that they were attacked by a random ship and went to get phasers, but that was it. I noted down that the ship looked vaguely Romulan to me oh, in, with the colours and the warp. Yeah. And then they come on the ship and are like, nope, those aren't Romulans. But I did some further digging and the those aliens haven't appeared on TV or movies in Star Trek uh, since then, but they did appear in Star Trek Online as allies of the Romulans. So, ah. 
that's weird. Oh, that, that, that kind of explains the similarities there. I yeah. did love as well that scene uh, where you first see the aliens. Um, it just Im- immediately made me think, someone's watched Signs. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, or Doctor Who. Just, you know, shot past camera and you think like, oh, right, okay. And also the other thing which bugged me, this is actually a general Star Trek bug, actually. What is with torches in the future? <laughs> what is with the design sensibility of that torch how in any way is that bulky piece of shit practical yeah is it voyager where the torches are like cubes that they have to hold up yes like apparently in the future everything gets better except torches <laughs> <laughs> but it's the other thing about these aliens is they're trying to do well, cgi though. aliens again yeah, that's oh god, yeah. the guns, yeah, yeah. But yeah, also, they... like, I mean, I kind of like these aliens. I thought they were kind of creepy. And apparently, their nickname is Shroomies because I guess they look like mushrooms. <laughs> but yeah, they, their faces I were mean, real creep shows. Yeah, for for what I'm expecting when I hear aliens are going to appear in an episode of Star Trek, I'm fully expecting just dudes in makeup. So even if it's like early <laughs> crappy 2000 CG, they were creepy alien looking aliens. So for me, they just the CG wasn't quite good enough for them to be effectively creepy. Yeah, like oh those I like the way they move, but then when you see them close up in the faces, it's just they just didn't look like they were you know there. Yeah. Uh, like for me, they were no species eight four seven two. Like species eight four seven two, at least like you can't, you couldn't physically put a person in, in that suit. A puppet would be too slow and too expensive. So it's like CGI makes sense, and you know what, it worked. Yeah, well, well species eight four seven two were better CGI actually. I'd forgotten about as that. well. I think yeah. Whereas like the concept of these particular aliens, I did just feel like even in the constraints of the time. I'm like, those could have easily just been skinny actors with fungal makeup on. And they would still Doug Jones in there. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, he was technically still around then, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He existed. (laughs) He he was acting. I think this was around the same time as um, Hush uh, on Buffy, and he was the main gentleman in that. So he was there. He was around. But yeah, yeah. Like, I felt the, the. concept of the aliens creepy as they were would have could have worked practically and they should have done it practically because the badge cgi really stuck out yeah i think what's happening here is um you've like arrived in this episode on the shuttlecraft now and we're all eating at the mess hall and we've been eating this cgi for like 10 weeks now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and you're like, what the hell is this crap that you're eating? It tastes like, you know, fungus water. And we're like, oh, yeah, we really like it because we were institutionalized by it. So when I say the CGI is, I mean, I didn't say the CGI is good. I say I like the aliens. I like the aliens, but I also have to, you know, aside for Enterprise, which is not good at this kind of thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally agree. The CGI is absolutely terrible. It's just that I actually like the design of the aliens. And when you like yeah. something in Enterprise, you latch onto it for life. <laughs> <laughs> also, their eyes are gross. Like, they're weird little freaky eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but the aliens are scanning two security crew members who they've knocked out. And then Archer shouts and points a gun at them and they, they leave. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, I don't know, I think what it was trying to do was, 
set up them as being so above where humanity is at at this point that they they're genuinely frightening. Instead, it comes across as just anticlimactic. Like I kind of feel like they they should have had a scuffle or something, but the fact they just idly wander off just kind of made the whole thing like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, basically. But then the uh, the ship attacks Enterprise again and blows up one of the warp nacelles. So, you know, Enterprise is fucked. Yeah, it's yeah. been <laughs> uh, So they try and contact the Vulcan High Command because they're the closest people who can help them, even though Archer is like, I don't want to call them Vulcans. Yeah, he's, he's a real piss baby about her, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> also- it's, it's just that normal Vulcan bias of his. Isn't this the bit where they, they kind of like decide that they're going to do the upgrades? And I've got a note here. Being able to build the, the guns is better for Malcolm than Maureen the waitress served in a trifle. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't remember what he liked, but I guessed it was probably a trifle. <laughs> what, I, what I found really interesting about that moment where they say that they're not just going to install the two, no, the one front phase that they've got, and they're going to have to build the other two from scratch, if I remember. Yeah. It's like, they've apparently carrying enough spare materials to build two highly powerful phase energy weapons from scratch yes. on this ship, which A, left early, and B, is just meant to be an exploration vessel with not an awful lot on it. Um, you think, like, was not food more important or something like that? <laughs> it's not even that, Joe. Like, I've been monitoring what they've ha- what they've been doing now for several weeks. And, like, they- there's a lot of space. There's 80 people in that ship. It's about, like, 225 metres long. Like, it's got ample space for all kinds of things. They're just lazy fuckers that never do anything other than, like, look at comets and then get freaked out when the comet turns out to be a beast or something. <laughs> They're just woefully underprepared for people who are, you know, a space exploration agency. Admittedly, on their first mission, but surely somebody was thinking about something before they let the ship leave the port. What would have hoped? <laughs> we have mentioned a number of times how we're always very impressed on an episode of Enterprise when the crew acts like they are doing the bare minimum to be competent, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, "Wow, they did something right." Almost. <laughs> and it's usually just to... following to Paul's advice. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is the right thing to do. Malcolm and Trip are working on the phasers, and uh, Trip gets annoyed because Malcolm's been plugging them into the wrong bits and the, something I forget. Techno battle happens. He wants to run the power through the impulse systems. Oh god, it's starting. <laughs> <laughs> But they, they have an argument, because Trip's like, no, this could blow up the ship, and Malcolm's like, it was an acceptable risk. And Trip is like, look, I know we keep making you clean shit off the shuttle pods, but that doesn't mean you need to blow the ship up. Thank you. And Malcolm's all like, yeah, I need to get the, you know, they didn't use the shuttle, so I had to get the reference in. Sorry, Joe, every week we have to talk about how Malcolm is made to clean shit off the shuttle pods. <laughs> that's, that's quite right, uh, right, as it should be, because, uh, let's face it, he doesn't do much else. No, yeah, exactly. He's, he's, on a, he's an armory guns. officer on a ship which doesn't have guns. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, Trip wins by going, I'm chief engineer, fuck you. Mm-hmm. And Malcolm's like, oh, all right, then, sir, and unplugs them, or whatever it is they do. <laughs> Which is how rank works. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, technically, he's his boss, so that is acceptable. <laughs> Meanwhile, they failed to contact the Vulcans, because the two subspace things they dropped earlier on aren't working, because they've been blowed up. So Enterprise is in trouble. 
And then they, I can't remember what happened next. Archer got the test, they test the, the test. power of the cannons on the moon. That's it. This was oh, good. Yeah, yeah, so they installed the phasers and they test them on a crater. They fire the phasers and I wrote a note here. I like phaser noises. <laughs> <laughs> this bit was fun. By which I mean, when Ooh. those phasers fired, they still had that classic TOS phaser sound effect. And it just wolf. makes me feel nice. What I enjoyed... Oh, sorry. You go first, Joe. No, I was literally just saying, yeah, yeah, I can kind of agree with that. It, it was nice to hear. What, what I enjoyed about it, and this is something that I'm always annoyed about in science fiction in general, when they go back to a, like a prequel time to the original show, they either sort of like make it look like it's way more technologically advanced than it is, or they kind of make it look really weak compared to what we're used to, depending on you know how it's all working. This was nice to kind of just see a weapon in, in like a Star Trek show, just kind of just doing something very mundane. So you could go, oh, shit, that's actually quite powerful by my sort of, you know, 21st century eyes. I bet that's really good for them, as opposed to it being the usual thing where they fire a torpedo and it can't even keep up with the ship they're shooting at because it's so <laughs> absolute <Yeah>. trash. <laughs> well, that's it. The uh, the phasers do too much damage to the abandoned moon they're, uh, they're shooting at. And they realize there's some kind of power surge. So... They detect a thing somewhere else on the ship. It's in the armory, isn't it? I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the smoke detector. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this yeah, is the scene you, I started enjoying. Either like a smoke detector, or you know, like um, those round lights you can get to put on your wall where you can just tap them and they turn on. <laughs> I was yeah. like, the aliens just slap one of them up, and I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> they, they were just trying to do some interior design in your drab-looking ship, so. But because of this thing, somehow the phasers are too powerful. So they go and find this thing, and they go into the the room it's in. And Malcolm, who is supposed to be their their weapons expert, their security guy, just walks in with his gun pointed straight up into the air. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Malcolm is just bad at what he does. Which I didn't really get this. So they the aliens put a thing on their ship to make their guns stronger. <laughs> I think that was just an accidental byproduct somehow. I think it, it wasn't messes, that clear. It messes no, with their power. Yeah, I, th- I couldn't tell if it was like purposely meant to cause a surge which would destroy the ship, but then at the same time, they apparently want the ship. So it's just like, well, well, all they said was they're out? messing with us. That's all they said. I think Malcolm says, I think he says they're just messing with us or something. But really? Because that's how you defeat them. <laughs> It's basically um, the, the the science fiction equivalent of a ring with a buzzer on the inside of it. When you shake someone's hand and it gives them a shock, like that's what they fitted. But it's also it's also like recording them. It's recording video. So Archer looks at it, and I wrote the line down, uh, which is just because we don't want to fight doesn't mean we'll run away from one. Also, we can't. You broke our ship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's a good captain, though. He's a good captain. <laughs> <laughs> then we cut to sick bay. Yes, and we're back on the fun B plot. Yay! Oh, she walks oh, yes. in. She walks in and says to Phlox, "You spend ty- a lot of time in the mess hall." So basically, she's just walked up to the doctor and said, "Hey, you're a massive fatty. What is that like?" <laughs> I do love his man. Like he's clearly busy with work. We've got two members of uh, the crew who are in sick bay and unconscious, although apparently have just been released, thankfully. But he's a doctor. He's presumably doing stuff. 
she her, her genuine recourse was like, I've seen you eat a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> Not just that. So I, she said, I've noticed that you also creep on what other people are eating. <laughs> <laughs> he does as well. He loves eating off other people's plates. <laughs> I, I love the bit that Flox is like, yeah, he likes eggs. Generic eggs, yeah. eggs with peanut butter, just eggs, yeah. eggs and sausage, eggs and sausage. She says eggs and sausage, and she's like, can you just give me one thing? I'm like, what is more one thing than eggs and sausage? Yeah. yeah. Make Cook him a breakfast. <laughs> Make him a big, like, sort of buffet breakfast, and he can pick what he wants. Also, that's the answer to this whole B-plot. Get a global buffet on the go, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and he can just pick in- something. But instead, she gets Flocks to to call up Malcolm's private, confidential medical records so they can look at what he's allergic to. Yeah, I do love that. Uh, you know, a casual breach of doctor-patient confidentiality is how this was all solved. <laughs> I mean, generally, um, it was very inappropriate because Flocks had just told the captain that these two patients are probably having some neurological damage from the intense what probing they yeah. just had from an alien species which is one of the first they've encountered intensely probed yeah and uh and Hoshi's just like yeah but forget that for a sec because look I, <laughs> you you fat ass i need i need some some info but then it was the roundabout way of well as well of just sort of figuring it out like oh i know he's allergic to something <laughs> um and then rattling off that the, our armory officer turns out to be allergic to really quite an alarming amount of things (laughs) yeah like i think i've got a few too many allergies and he outdoes he's got about double what i've got you're basically the malcolm of our friend group (laughs) (laughs) what what an absolutely scathing review (laughs) i I did enjoy that list though she was like like um dust mites oak pollen daffodils hard work like just like a huge list of things (laughs) he's allergic to But then it turns out he's been taking injections so he can eat pineapples. <laughs> Fun never fucking like, stops on this shit, is it? How does ever get to the point where pineapple is your favourite food? I'm just like, what? <laughs> to the point where you take injections to eat it. No one exactly. loves pineapple that much. I was thinking I've got this. friends who are allergic to cats and have pet cats, and they don't even have injections for it. They're just like, I'll just be sniffly. But this guy's having injections so he can stick pineapple in his gob. How many injections is he having? And like, it just is very suspicious. If it's his favorite also, food, I'm not being funny. I bet he's one of these people who puts pineapple on pizza. I mean, I am oh, one of those people. I, I, I will say, I'll hold my hand. You're up. the Malcolm, not me. <laughs> Hang on, just because I put pineapple on my pizza, that means I'm adventurous, like Doctor Flox. <laughs> <laughs> Just reach over and eat a handful of your food and then smile at you. <laughs> you have done that, yeah. <laughs> but now we know that Malcolm likes pineapple, so that's nice. Luckily, at this point, the aliens turn up, so we get off the interminable B plot. <laughs> and they do send choo, a message choo. to the Enterprise. <laughs> it's Elliot's a steam train now? No, oh, it was lasers, but never mind. They, oh, I forgot okay. they do send a cut up message, like a ransom note. 
Yeah, they've, they've edited Archer's uh, recording about how they went back down from a fight, so it basically says, we're going to have your shit, please. Archer, you are quite good at turning me on. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was another element where I was just like, I think they thought this was going to make the aliens seem creepy and mysterious, but it just raised more questions for me about music, because it made me just think like, okay, they, we, you know they've seen you now. There's no mystery anymore. They know what you look like. Yeah. And yet your decision was to essentially take a recording of them, cut it and paste it around and send it back to them rather than just talking to them now. It kind of makes you wonder, like, do these do these species not communicate in any way? Is this how they talk to people? They're, they're the galactic... Case, like, they're the galactic audiovisual the language. The it was just very <laughs> odd. <laughs> but luckily, the Enterprise has phasers now. So it fires them, and it doesn't do much. So Archie says, well, can you overload them again? And now Malcolm's worried about safety. Yeah! Now that it wasn't <laughs> his idea. <laughs> but then they go, no, overload them. So they overload them and blow up the ship. Yay! Yay! There's a good line in there where he says something about using the energy to improve the structural integrity, <clears throat> which is one of those things that I'll yeah, never understand on Star Trek. Like, how do you use energy to make the ship more structurally sound? sound. Because yeah. Enterprise runs like a video game with health bars, and health also- bars increase when you just choose them to. Oh. It was also the thing for me which I found really odd was they keep on describing it as the recoil and recoil is a physical action not an energy thing so I was a bit like how on earth does this work <laughs> like your cannons are essentially going to bounce back and you're somehow going to turn that into energy which then feeds throughout the ship and then makes the ship physically stronger I and mean, I was like where the hell did that come from by enterprise logic, though, that like if they fly into a giant floating turkey leg, then the ship gets better. You know that, that that's what we're working <laughs> on at the moment. But yeah, the alien ship flees because Enterprise has done some damage with its souped-up phasers, and then everything's fine. They're not going to go back to Earth now to get all that other stuff they left behind because the guns work. <laughs> or any of those other systems that Archer said needed upgrading at the beginning yeah, of the episode. Exactly. Just leave those. We don't need those. Got Probably. Boom. <laughs> and they're going to drop more of the subspace things because they can't be blown up again. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they give Malcolm a pineapple birthday cake, which, as ever, watched the episode with Lisa, my wife, and she said, Why have they written Happy Birthday Malcolm in blood? <laughs> yeah. <It's> not- <laughs> That, that cake was presumably made by the galley chef. And, like, normally the food you see from a galley is actually not that bad looking. What the fuck happened with this cake? <laughs> he was busy. It's he didn't like, have a lot it of time. It is literally the worst cake decoration I've ever seen. What happened was, Hoshi went into the galley and went, oh, can you make us a birthday cake? And chef went, yeah, yeah, sure, who's it for? And Hoshi went, Malcolm. And chef went, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it, it genuinely did remind me. Pineapple. I, I did think I, that I, seems. I don't know kind... any of you guys. Have, you, have, they ever, have, you, have any of you guys ever actually eaten like a pineapple birthday cake before? Yeah, pineapple Never cake. Never eaten really? a pineapple cake. Yeah, I love pineapple cake. I've had a pineapple upside down cake, but like not a birthday cake. Ah, you could you can convert that. Like, how does that work? I I gotta say, I did find the scene kind of cute. Like he was so happy that 
they they knew where he wanted and you're just like oh shit malcolm what's your fucking life like mate you know <laughs> i gotta admit for me i don't know if it's just covid but it, it was watching him cut that cake up get his hands all over it and then pass the cakes around i was thinking this is terribly <laughs> i think it's just because they knew what he'd been doing to a shuttle just before oh, that oh yeah coming in poo. i mean no, he was also very tv show to just cut a cake and then be able to perfectly see what the main ingredient was whether it was oh yeah just, just oh, it's not just any fruit that's pineapple i can tell because i'm breaking out in hives as i look at it <laughs> <laughs> i haven't had my shot yet yeah. <laughs> <sighs> uh, so that's that's silent enemy <laughs> the enemy I mean, that- Technically speaking, I guess weren't that silent because they apparently they do actually <clears throat> send something, don't they? They not just the the cut up bloody video again. They also send a screeching thing at one point. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, which they say so is they're them not that silent or something. <laughs> well, I found out that was not the original title to the episode. Oh. Oh. The episode was originally going to be called A Call to Arms, but then they remembered there was an episode of Deep Space Nine called A Call to Arms, so they had to change it last minute. That's a bit much uh... for this episode, isn't it? Like. That that really sounds like something exciting is going to happen. A call to arms is not what happened in this episode. No, it 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 really is because they called. They went, "Can we have some arms?" They went, yeah, here you go. And put some guns on it. So that's exactly what happened, Matt. Yeah, I feel like it's really wasting everyone's time, though. <laughs> yeah, so I would say that is middling enterprise in terms of what we've watched so far. I would say that's probably in my top like 25% of the episodes that we've watched. I think I've only really enjoyed like two, but yeah, I thought that was, that was okay. Like it was yeah. pretty decent middle of the road yeah. track, I guess. Yeah. It definitely could have. Enterprise. Definitely. It's, it's one of, it was possibly the most entertaining episode of enterprise at this point. <laughs> yes. There are better things to come, but yeah, it, it could have uh, been better. But Yeah. It was still messy. I, I definitely appreciate the, the direction of the plot line. It's more what I'm expecting to see at the start of Star Trek from seeing it build go up mm-hmm. so far. It's been pretty generic and what I would expect from any other show. So for the and start I would say of it, it could it could have done without the B plot at all. Like yes. it should have it, I mentioned earlier that it remind this episode kind of reminded me of and, and what got me excited. Um, of the original series episode. I can't remember the name of the episode, but the one where they essentially face Romulan for the Bounce first time. Terror. Yep. Thank you. Bounce of Terror. And it's basically essentially a submarine episode or a submarine drama. And the B plot in that is what's going on on the Romulan ship. Yeah. And I'm like, that was much more interesting than does this crew make like pineapple or not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Malcolm plot is by far the worst half of this episode. But I also, I, you know, I like the idea, again, that they've done here with aliens. We don't know who they are or what they are or what they really want, but it's just bloody dangerous. But I also feel like the second episode did that a bit better. What happened in that episode? Hoshi found the language was inside her all along. Oh, the the creepy aliens upside down in the ship? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, I think that probably was better than this one. But I mean, yeah. this episode was worth it for that whole the, the phase cannon subplot as well. I think that was actually yes. one of the most interesting things that we've seen so far because it actually brings the plot along a little bit about them just dicking around in outer space for no reason. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes, it did highlight some more incompetencies on on the part of the the crew and their captain. Going, let's just leave without them. But I did I did enjoy testing the phasers, the installation of them, and how they showed time had passed by having people roll up their sleeves and and have not shaved for a couple of hours. Yeah. Do we have anything else to say about that episode? <laughs> I, I think I'm desperately trying to think of any other good things to say about this Enterprise episode or anything of Enterprise to date without spoiling anything going forward. But yeah, no, I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to mention as well the like the whole weird British thing about Malcolm because there's not very often like a super British character on mm. on any of the Star Trek uh, of any of the Star Trek ships. But like his father, like his parents were literally just like, "Oh, Captain, you don't understand. We're a stereotypical British family. <laughs> <laughs> we don't show love or affection at all." Mm-hmm. And like you know, compared to say, is, is Julian Bashir is he a British character? Like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he like you know, he's like, he's good. He's he's a little bit different. He's an all rounder. But yeah, just this sort of really stuffy. Like you know, later that evening, um, the the dad is just gonna get the hose pipe from the car and just gas the house with everybody inside. Like that's what I feel is gonna happen. Like there's no love or affection there at all. Please, Malcolm, is he British? Yes, he is. Really? Because he's got the thickest British accent I've ever heard. But that's I've met him. That's his real accent. Yeah, it's it's not even. Is it not even yeah. Daphne from Frasier syndrome? Is it is that his actual actual accent? That's his actual actual accent. Oh wow, that is so weird. Where's he from? Yeah. It sounds so put on. It sounds so put on. I think it's just because most of the time he's talking to Trip, who sounds super American. Yeah, yeah, and also half the time he's got to talk absolute bullshit. So yeah, just well, everything whole... he says sounds like he doesn't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> I, I like the the catfish came up again for Trip. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a callback to something we've already learned about Trip when he an alien read his mind. Loves catfish. I'm gonna right, Malcolm. I need to find out where what's his name in real life, Malcolm Reed. Dom, uh, Dominic Keating. Let's find out where he's from. Let's play the accent game. I must have spelled his name wrong because it says Chapter One: The Mandalorian on the, the Star Trek website. That I'm <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Let's try this. Oh, it just like what is it about, right? Wikis, in specifically, if you type in something like super generic, like so, I've, I've just typed in Dominic Keating now in the way that I'm imagining that it's spelled, and the first thing it's brought up is Dominic Rayner. Dominic Pace, Dominic Monaghan. Like, surely, surely there are other Dominics that are more relevant than the ones that it's brought back. I am on his IMDb. He's from Leicester. Leicester? That doesn't sound like a Leicester accent to me. (laughs) Well, apparently he is. Well, good for him. And it says he's an actor known for Beowulf, Enterprise, and Epic Mickey 2, The Power of Two. Beowulf. I'm glad he's getting work. (laughs) <laughs> what, as in like the animated Beowulf yeah the awful Ray Winston Beowulf Ooh, who the hell was he in that I don't care okay smash <laughs> your face in Grendo <laughs> I will kill your monster <laughs> Look, before we devolve into even more Ray Winston impressions 
Our next episode is Dear Doctor Elliot. Tell us about that. I tell you about it. I haven't seen it yet, mate. What's going to happen though? Come on. I don't know, this but it sounds like you sounds like it's going to yeah, it sounds like it's going to have flocks, so I'm excited. Hey. If flocks it's a flocks episode, I'm all for it. Well, there we go. Well, as ever, you can find us on social medias. I'm going to put all our links in the description as per normal. Joe, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, so people can find me on the Twitters uh, when I talk about a lot of things. Um, and that is at Joseph Glass. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram, which is uh, at Joe Glass. All one word. Uh, don't put an underscore in the middle of it. That is a guy who sells hash pipes. Um, that is not me. And um, also I have my website, www.joeglasscomics.co.uk, uh, where you can actually buy a uh, majority of my books. So, yeah. Oh, and also the Pride Omnibus will be in all bookstores and all comic shops June 2nd, 2021. Brilliant. I will put links to all of that in the episode description as well. Thank you very much for joining us, Joe. It's been a pleasure having you on to talk Star Trek with us. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, shoot the shit about um, a ship which has no guns. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, will you come back sometime? I am very much up for coming back sometime, absolutely. But let's make it a good show next time. I can't promise that. We've got four years of Enterprise. <laughs> 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 as ever thank you everyone for listening and we will speak to you again soon bye 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 bye